The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, I have a fascinating guest for you today. Uh, as you may have been listening to, if, you've, if you were listening to last week's show, you know that I talked all about the uh, terrorist uh, would-be bomber. I mean, he did, he did detonate his, um, his bombs, but they didn't really, fortunately, uh, have very much. The only person that they really injured seriously was him. Um, and, and perhaps if that happened more often, well, it does happen with suicide bombers, but perhaps if it happened more often that only the suicide bomber was um, either killed or injured and no one else, perhaps we would have less of them. In any case, I was also talking about how um, this was not a one-off attack or a coincidence that it was happening at that time and in that place because there has been for weeks now a, uh, an advertising campaign by ISIS to try to draw lone terrorists to attack major cities, uh, particularly New York and particularly Times Square. And that was where he was in the passageway between Times Square and the Port Authority. And, uh, and as I was talking about last week, there, were, there are also, um, it's also being advertised by ISIS to attack Paris and London and the Vatican, and so on, during the holidays, particularly during the holidays. This is a whole holiday campaign. And um, I mentioned that uh, there was, you know, their pride, their, their prime, um, uh, tar, prime, I don't know, what's it, prime poster, this main poster that they had is of Santa Claus in Times Square saying, we meet at Christmas in New York soon, and he's next to a, a box of dynamite, that says danger, and he's holding a red sock that you can imagine, red, red sack, actually, a red sack, <laughs> red sack. And you can imagine that there are not toys in there but this dynamite. So today, my guest will um, give us a little bit more background, pitch um, from his vantage point. He is a um, retired federal agent, and he is most more importantly even, a 9-11 responder. He is, was also a member of the Joint Terrorism Task Force and a UN dignitary um, on various protection assignments. So he was at the World Trade Center as a first responder after 9-11. He also has done a television show, um, a series, with two former Islamic terrorists. And they were explaining terrorism from 
or Islam and their plans from the terrorist point of view. So he knows all about what terrorists have planned for this holiday season and beyond. So welcome to the show, Michael Velarde. Hey, thank you so much, Claire. Glad to be on the show. So first let's start with 9-11 and being a first responder. Tell us what that was like. Well, that was horrible. I mean, that was probably some of the worst days I've ever had in the job because what they did was they sent us to the, uh, they were taking all the debris to, the, to Staten Island where they had the dump, and they would have us there in groups going through the debris looking for body parts. Hmm. Um, so we saw everything that they brought in, and we actually found uh, a section of somebody's leg. So I got real sick after that day, too. I mean, it was just horrible. So that's, that was the beginning of, you know, they started deploying us for different things, and then we all got, uh, we, you know, a lot of us went on the Joint Terrorism Task Force after that. We were checking out every lead that came in was checked out by at least two agents, and then they started tracing the money, and then we all got um, air marshal training. All federal agents got air marshal training after that, and President Bush mandated that we take our firearms any place we went, uh, especially flights, whether it's local or where you're going away with your family. He didn't care. You know, everything, it changed the dynamics of this country. Um, it also led to H.R. 218, which allows <clears throat> retired federal agents to carry their firearms as long as they qualify once a year in mm. any state. Mm. So that you have more responders in the event that there's something happens at the mall, you'll have, you know, a retired special agent or a federal agent with, with, a, with a firearm. Uh-huh. So. Now, was that something, um, the assignment of going through, I mean, so you weren't actually at Ground Zero, you were where they moved Ground Zero to. Yeah, I responded at right. I was supposed to be there that day, and I was working organized crime, and I called uh, up the police lieutenant I was going to see on a case, and he said to me, Mike, we have a arrest warrant at 6 in the morning. Would you mind coming next week? So I went to Suffolk County instead and watched the towers fall from there, and then the next week or the couple of days later, I was at the dumps, you know, going through the debris. So, wow, so you were supposed to be there at the World Trade Center on 9-11? Yeah. Huh, yeah. The so first, how has the that first time in 93 when the, when the bomb went off, yeah. I, I was at that building and left an hour before the bomb went off. We heard <laughs> it on the radio on the LAE. Wow. So some angel is protecting you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> God is definitely watching out for me because I, I would have been right there. So, uh, now, I would imagine, you know, of course, uh, the, the people who were working Ground Zero uh, have, many of the people have gotten sick from all of the toxins that they were bringing in yeah. and so, breathing in and so on. And I would imagine even being at a dump site with uh, what they took from Ground Zero would be dangerous in that same way. I mean, you were probably breathing in not as much as if you were actually at Ground Zero, but still... You must have been yeah, breathing was, in some noxious, unhealthy kinds of things. Oh, I was, I was sick for two days after that. I, didn't, I, I couldn't get up for work the next day. It was horrible. It was horrible. And we, I still fill out the surveys that they send out. In fact, uh-huh. i got another one on my desk to do. Um, they monitor that stuff. But yeah, it was absolutely horrible. Um, you, couldn't, you couldn't take too much of it. They gave us masks and everything, which was somewhat of a help, but it was just... It was, all the burning rubble was coming in right off the trucks. Mm. 
come in and we saw like uh, there was there was a big bond company and all the bond books and all the all the debris from the offices was there and we were sorting through all that for body parts. Oh god. Now was this something that you had to do or did you volunteer to do it? No, they pretty much assigned us to do it. Wow. I mean unless you had I mean everything after 9/11 changed. All our priorities changed. I mean, unless you were on some, unless you're at trial, um, you were reassigned. They they even took a group of us and made them air marshals. They put they made sure that while they were hiring additional air marshals, they gave us air marshal training and put us on on flights to Washington. All the flights from New York to Washington had at least one or two air marshals on them. Hmm. Every flight was covered. Um, so 9-11 changed the entire spectrum of everything. Now, I do want to say one thing, and I, and I don't know if this was, was caught. I don't think they would have planned this if they didn't know that there was a policy in place just a couple of years earlier when, 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 the Clinton, when Clinton won his second election. The new guy he put in charge of the FAA, they didn't want anybody carrying firearms on planes. I don't, I don't think this thing could have happened if... Huh. Unless they knew that policy was in place, because they would have been taking a big risk. So wait, you know, so why did I that. didn't know about that? So why did Clinton do that? Some people don't know that. I I don't know. It was a decision made by the head of the FAA, and that's what I said to my boss at the time, it was Freddie Parker. I said, Fred, this is the stupidest thing. Why wouldn't they want federal agents on the planes with a gun? What happens if something happens when you want somebody there to stop it? And then there was a whole mess of procedures. You had to, you had to, you had to write out, uh, you know, if you had a detainee, you're bringing a prisoner on board. You, you had to have an, an absolute, you know, uh, some good re- written reason from your supervisor why you had to have the gun on the plane that day. Of course, now after that, everything changed. Then you just took your gun and that was it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I personally just have to wonder, you know, would they have spent all that time and money planning this unless uh-huh. they knew that, that there was a policy like that in place? I mean, it just makes you shake your head. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, indeed. So, um, you know, one of the things, one of my pet peeves um, that I've talked about is, uh, and I I wonder if this bothers you too, on the anniversaries of 9-11, and particularly, I mean, as, as the anniversaries have been going, as the years have been going by, and the anniversaries have been going by, uh, there seems to be less and less focus on the anniversary, you know, in the media, less television coverage and radio yeah. and, and so on. Um, but this year I particularly noticed that there was the honoring of the uh, people who had died or the families who had lost loved ones and so on, um, and the first responders and all of that, but, you know, first of all, they had, they arranged, I was in New York at the time because I was uh, doing a launch of my new uh, book for kids about terrorism. And um, so I was, I, you know, went to the two 9-11 museums and so on, and I toured, I was at Ground Zero, spent a lot of time there, and I found out that on the anniversary, on 9-11 itself, the anniversary this year, um, they weren't allowing the public in. They were only allowing families of people who had died or been injured, and, and, um, and so it was a much smaller group of people, and the media coverage was much smaller, 
And in particular, what I noticed was, although they mentioned the people that, of course, we need to memorialize and honor, um, they, <laughs> there was hardly any mention of it being a terror attack. The way, if you didn't know and you just came down, if you were an alien and you came down to Earth and were watching this on television, you would think two pilots um, who were drunk uh, got lost and flew into the Twin Towers and into the uh, Pentagon and, and, you know, Pennsylvania. Uh, They did not, you know, it was so sterilized that um, that the whole meaning um, of it was gone. Well, I, that's either an attempt to appease the the increasing Muslim populations that are coming over to this country, or the mayor or somebody doing that, because um, I, I, I really don't think people understand Islam, and I think that's a large part of the problem. When, when I interviewed Kamal Salim, he was the number three guy in the Muslim Brotherhood. And in 1973, him and a couple of other members of the Brotherhood went over to see the king of Saudi Arabia. And they took the Koran, and they pointed to the, word, the verses in the Koran that said that you either have to supply money or men, if you're a, uh, an Islamic country, to support jihad. Because the purpose of, purpose of Islam is to take over the world for Allah. So they asked the king of Saudi Arabia if he believes in the Koran, and he said yes. And they showed him the verses, and they said, well, either you're going to give us money or men, or we're going to sabotage every oil well in your kingdom. Hmm. And the king said, let me, let, me, let me think on it. Give me a week. A week later, he came back and says, we'll provide money. From that time, since that time, 1973, they've supplied over $3 billion to this cause. Hmm. Uh, because under Islamic law, now again, you've got to remember, from a, te- a terrorist don't think they're terrorists. They think they're freedom fighters. They think they're winning the world for Allah. Now, one of Allah's names in the Quran, and you can look this up in Google, is Allah is known as the greatest deceiver of all. There is no greater deceiver than Allah. Part of the Islamic religion is called taqiyah. Well, you lie to the non-Muslims. You'll say, we're a peace-loving country, don't worry. But when the caliphate actually comes, they all have an obligation to rise up and kill the infidels and take the world for Allah. Now, under Islam, the reason you see so many Islamic terror attacks is because these people are taught the belief that the blood of Allah's enemies will cleanse the sins of their loved ones. So they're bringing salvation to themselves and their family and their friends by killing the enemies of Allah. You see, in Islam, your good, way, your good deeds are weighed against your bad. And if you're not a good person, the only way you can justify that is to commit jihad and take the skulls of Allah's enemies before Allah as a sacrifice and say, Allah, look at all these that I've killed, what I've done for you. Totally, totally opposed to Christianity where Christ died for you on the cross. And Uh he paid the price of your sins with his blood. And that's why I wrote a book called The Time of His Coming, where I name who their caliphate will be when he comes, how he's going to get into power, which is available at thetimeofhiscoming.com, and explaining is Islam 
as I learned it through Muslim terrorists, and, and Christianity, and the difference in how it's going to play out. Because what Kamal told me, and anybody can see this on YouTube, I have some of the shows up on YouTube just by putting my name in, and his, um, is that America is the big Satan. In order for there to be the world, the Islamic world regime, two, two countries have to go. America and Israel. And how do they do that? And Kamal explained that they outpopulate the country. What, what mm. they, what they, when Kamal came here, he came over here to commit what's called cultural jihad. Okay? And that is where you look at the weaknesses, the Achilles heel of a culture, and how can you get into that culture and take it over for Islam, for Allah. And what they saw in America was multiculturalism. That they would give Islam an equal footing with Judaism, Christianity, or any other religion. And then once they get to a certain part of the population, which is 2%, then they can start demanding things, like, like has happened in okay, Europe. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I need to stop you there, because I don't know if you heard the music, but we need to take a oh. break. This is really... Okay. All very fascinating. So um, my guest is Michael Velarde. We're talking about uh, terrorism and from his perspective as a first responder and also having done this TV show with uh, high up Islamist terrorists. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and we will be right the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 
5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Michael Velarde, who um, is a retired federal agent. He was a first responder for 9-11, and um, he has done a television show in which he um, shared the spotlight with two uh, high-up, uh, I guess, Islamist extremists. So you were starting to... You were, why don't we take, uh, continue where you, we left off? Okay. Where, where was that? Just <laughs> let me know. Okay. Um, we were starting, you were saying about what uh, they were telling you about the ways that they were going to take over the, the states in Israel, and you were talking about how one, the beginning was to make the population uh, at least 2%. Right. Muslim population, so, so, at least right. 2%. Right, Kamal, Kamal told me that multiculturalism was, was the Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. Once they started coming over a lot on student visas, and when they, when they come over, they, they tend to stay in certain areas. For instance, in Michigan right now, there's so many Muslims congregated there that they have actually no-go zones unless you're a Muslim. And they actually got Michigan, the state of Michigan, to give food stamps out in Arabic. Huh. So you don't have to know English. You push three for Arabia, okay? Uh, Michigan, uh, you know, the food stamp program there. So they're appeasing them. And, and then what happens is when you get to a certain percentage of the population, you start making demands on the culture. In other words, you'll ask for Islamic law. You see this happening in England. And you see it here to some degree, too, where they're asking for halal foods, okay, or the right for them to pray in school on their prayer rugs. Yeah. All right. Now, you've got to remember, you know, some people will say, well, we all serve the same God, but that's not true. The God of Islam is opposed to the God of the Bible. If you ever go by a mosque, you'll see a crescent moon, because Allah is the moon God, the God of darkness. Okay? Well, He's now, um, let's go back to the, to the no-go no go zones, right? Okay. Um, I mean, how is it that how is there, how did our, how did cities in Michigan um, agree, you know, how did the mayors uh, agree to make no-go zones? I mean, for okay. any religion, can you imagine, uh, you well, know, some other religion asking for that and getting an area where people who aren't that religion can't go? Uh, that just seems <laughs> preposterous. I, I, I think if you go to YouTube, there's some YouTube videos on it. <laughs> No, I'm not, I know, I mean, no, I'm not um, questioning it. I know that this, but I'm just saying right. it's hard know. to believe that this kind of thing, um, I mean, we, we're, well, we're so PC, uh, it, right. political correctness right. is, is literally killing our society. Yes, absolutely correct. And here's how that happened. Uh, during the Obama years, the eight years she was in office, they... It, they, they basically made sure that the only people that came over, or a large part of the people that came over, were Muslims from the Mideast. You couldn't come over really as a Christian. You had to be a Muslim. When they did, they went to states like Michigan that are totally controlled by the Democrats. Uh, Michigan has had a Democratic mayor since I think the 1930s. Because what happens is when you bring these people in, for the most part, they're going to vote Democratic. Mm-hmm. Okay? So what is it doing? It, it's making sure they stay in power. Mm-hmm. So, so that's so. So, in these certain areas, that's what you see. They come in, they go to certain areas that they keep the Democrats in power. 
and, 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 and as the population grows, they make more demands on the people in the population. You see, back in World War II, um, how, did, how did Hitler take, you know, make such inroads into, into Russia? He signed a peace pact, right? And then he attacked. Okay? Mm-hmm. They used Takiya. They said, we're coming over peaceful people. We don't believe in these. But the truth of the matter is, as you see as they come in, You've seen their, 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 their lone wolf attacks. We've had, listen, when George Bush was in office, okay, we had 9-11, and after 9-11, until he left, there was not one more terror attack. Okay? Now, there were some things in place that we made sure we stopped any other terror attack from happening. Uh-huh. As soon as he left office, the policies changed in the law enforcement agencies. And it wasn't too soon after that in 2009 where you had the Fort Hood shooting. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you had everything. I mean, you had, you had the Boston bombing. All these people that should have been stopped weren't. Under the policies of, of, of Bush, most of, almost everything would have been stopped. Policies yeah. were changed. Well, do okay? you I mean, I, I think that um, it's not a coincidence. I mean, I think that uh, Obama consciously, I think consciously, but giving him the benefit of the doubt, uh, at least unconsciously, because of how he was raised, because of his having had um, a Muslim father and, and stepfather, um, I think that really this was like on purpose that he it wanted was to There's make no America weaker, more vulnerable mm-hmm. to terrorists. Yeah, I mean, Kamal came on my show and said, now Kamal was an assassin for Muammar Gaddafi, okay? And there was an imam that Gaddafi wanted assassinated. And Kamal and this other guy threw this guy out of a plane from like 40,000 feet up. <laughs> and that guy, Kamal told me, was put in Homeland Security to see how we operate, oh. how our procedures are. Wait, which guy was put in Homeland Security? The, the guy that he did the assassination with. Obama gave him a job in Homeland Security. The, That's what he told me. I can't remember. The guy who did the who threw the other guy out of the plane. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Now, now, does that make it a lot easier for things to get done when they know what you're going to do and how you're doing it? They know your procedures. The the uh, the FBI took the word Islamic terrorism out of all their teaching right. materials. Right. So instead of looking at Muslims. You're just looking for terrorists. So now you have a much broader pool to look at. Let's not focus on the guys that are between 20 and 40 years of age that have, you know, have radical views. Let's look at them. Let's, we, don't, we can't look at their Facebook accounts. We can't look at anything that might give us a clue. Let's, let's, let's do pat-downs on 92-year-old women that are, right. you know, old Catholic Italian women who, yeah, <laughs> I mean... Because we can't, we can't, we can't profile anybody. Right? Pro, pro, profiling is actually a very effective law enforcement tool. Mm-hmm. It works. Mm-hmm. You, fo- you you narrow down who you're looking at. Yes. And, and, and when you look at the number of terrorist attacks that have happened during the Obama administration compared to the Bush administration, okay, basically one, and then you have like what fifty. Okay, there's some guy in Oregon going to, to this college with a gun saying, are you a Christian? If you are, boom, I'll shoot you because uh, I'll lock them. Mm-hmm, right. Okay? 
I mean, I mean, look at look Santa Bernardino. Those people should have been stopped. Yes. Okay. Yes. They their never their neighbors happened. knew that uh, you know yes. what was going on. Right, but we can't profile. So, I mean, would you have Jeffrey Dahmer babysit your kids? Mm-hmm. No, you got to use common sense. You don't have Charles Manson come in and take out your your kid for a lunch. Right. I mean, now I think we're going to hopefully see some of that come back because you have to have common sense. You want to stop it, you have to you have to pull out all the stops. Well, you're dealing with people that are willing to die for their cause. They believe that when they die for Allah, that they're going to get 72 virgins, all of which are going to have 72 virgins, and that the blood of anyone they kill is going to cleanse the sins of their loved ones and bring them into Allah's paradise. That's the belief system. So why do you think... um that there aren't more, so, okay, are you saying then that, I was going to say, why do you think there aren't more Muslims who are speaking out, protesting, doing things to, I mean, there certainly are some helping the United States to, in the war again, on terror, um, but I was going to say, why do you think there aren't more, and from what you've been saying, I guess your answer is what, that, that, that all of them believe in these things, and, well, I mean, what, well, he, he, Here's, here's how Zach put it to me, okay? He said, Mike, if you're a Christian and you don't tithe, does that mean you're not a Christian? No, it means you're just not following all the dictates of the Bible, right? Same with Islam. Just because you're not killing people doesn't mean, just means you're not following all the dictates. And again, that's why I wrote the book, The Time of His Coming, so people could understand what's going to happen and how it's going to unfold. How that caliphate's going to take power, who's going who's to help them get there. You know what I'm saying? Why, why, what, what the Islamic plan is, and, and what's, you know, what are the events in order and sequence of events that are going to happen? You know, well, that so feeds right into um, the holidays. Uh, I mean, because, uh, you know, we're seeing the beginnings of, um, I mean, you know what, people don't understand, and this is so very frustrating for me, and I'm sure it's been frustrating for you. Um, about how Americans kind of go about their business and uh, refuse to believe that there's going to be another 9-11 or that there are going to be more terror attacks. And the reason why I keep trying to wake people up to that is because I tell them about how to prepare. Uh, I'm not talking about getting duct tape. I'm talking about psychologically and physically to become more resilient. So it is so frustrating when people are in such denial that they don't want to become more resilient because they don't think there's anything they need to become more resilient for. So what? Right, because you're right. Because what they do is they look at it as just a, a small group of extremists. Okay, now if it's just two percent of the Muslim population, it's a lot of people. Islam is the largest religion in the world, and it's growing because their plan is to outpopulate. You see, here's what Kamal told me that 9-11 began the third jihad. It's the final jihad. The first jihad started with Mohammed. The second jihad was after he died. They carried it first, and it was stopped in 1687 in, 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 in uh, Vienna on September 10th. This jihad, according to the Koran, is the final one before the caliphate comes. Now, since that time, they believe that in one generation, and for them they consider 20 years a generation, that would take us to September of 2021. 
Okay, that's when they believe the caliphate is coming. Hmm. By that time. That's why that guy from Iceland, he claimed to be the caliphate, but he really wasn't. Okay? He, he just was trying to get support because whoever the caliphate is, the Muslims have an obligation to follow him and do whatever he says. So he got Boko Haram to follow him because he becomes the leader, like, like the Pope is supposed to be the vigor of Christ on earth, right? That's who the caliphate's going to be. It's, it's going to be Allah in the flesh, so to speak. Uh-huh. Okay? So by 2021, they have a plan to migrate to all the world. And you start looking at a world map, and you go, and my God, they, they, they basically took over Europe. Do you know, when they migrate to Italy, in Italy they will give them a house, a cell phone, and cash. And then from Italy, they leave to go to other parts of Europe. Notice there's no terror attacks in Italy. Hmm. Because it, it, it's like the base for them to go to, and then they go out from Italy. Like 9-11, remember I told you I, I went to, to Suffolk County that day, the day the buildings fell. Well, we got a call, and I went out with the cops. And we brought these guys to the precinct, and we started interrogating them. They were Pakistani, but they all had Canadian passports. Because Canada was issuing passports to all these Islamic nations. They were come over, coming over as Canadians to the United States. Because mm. mm-hmm. you're not thinking, well, let me look for a Canadian. Right. Okay, they're all Pakistani. Now, did these people have anything to do with, did it turn out that they had anything to do with 9-11? No, well, we, they, they were they was they were acting very suspicious at a restaurant. We got a call. We went and picked them up. But we couldn't hold them on anything. Uh huh. Um, but what was so interesting is to see that that they were clearly not Canadians. Who you think mm-hmm. what a Canadian would be? Uh mm-hmm. And how easy it was for them to get, you know, even Zach, Zach, my friend Zach Anani, he ended up becoming a Canadian. He went from Lebanon to Canada, got a pension in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, large Muslim population in Canada. And mm-hmm. you start looking at all these large populations in all these countries. Europe now. Look at England. Look, look at France. I mean, here in the United States, it's growing. Okay? Yes. If, if, if Trump didn't win, if Hillary won, you would have saw such an influx of, of Muslims. It, you wouldn't recognize the country in a couple of years. Because once the caliphate comes, and they believe it's coming within the next four years, they have to. It's kind of like being in the Russian army. Either you go out there and you fight the Nazis, or we'll shoot yourselves. Either you rise up and kill the infidels, or the other ones have to kill you. So, okay. So, going back to my question, what, um, what, what do you think? How can America be awakened? Um, I mean, you know, if if this is so close, if this is, you know, we're talking yes. about. Um, Four years or three years, um, three and a half years, I guess. Uh, you know, America has to wake up <laughs> ASAP. Yes, they do. America needs a spiritual revival. You know, Jesus said they'll kill you and think they're doing God a service. Well, who puts who puts Christians to death? Think they're doing God a service? Islam. Look, look, look at look at the, look at the Islamic State. They're beheading people, thinking they're doing God a service. Allah's work, right? Killing, killing Allah's enemies. People don't realize that the, the, they don't realize they don't understand Bible prophecy, and it's it's so poorly taught in the churches. It's beyond me. 
okay? Um, which is, again, why I wrote the book, The Time of His Coming, so people would understand how this all fits in. So how are you, when you've been, um, when you've been you know, speaking and, or having, do you have seminars uh, with, or book signings? Yeah, I mean, I go to I go to certain churches and do and 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 do it there. I mean, and what kind of reaction are you getting? Are people, you know, believing you, or how how do you what reactions do you get? Well, yeah, I mean, through some of these churches that I've gone to, I've actually t- taken these former Islamic terrorists, you know, years ago. You know what I'm saying? And they uh-huh. had the chance to speak there and or talk about Islam and 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 how it works because because these two people come out. See, Kamal got his neck broken in a car accident, okay? His, his um, convertible was hit by an 18-wheeler. He went 12 feet in the air and came down oh, on his well. head and broke his neck. He had a Christian doctor, a Christian at the scene, played for him, and he, he, he was here to, like I said, commit cultural jihad. And when he saw the love of these people and how they took care of him, he reconverted. Oh, that's interesting. And, hmm. Yeah, and that's how, that's how he became a Christian. And Zach... Did I hear the music? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll get back <laughs> to the rest of that story when we come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guest is Michael Velarde. We're talking today about uh, terrorism from the point of view of his, his work as a first responder and also from the terrorists who he has interviewed and um, been stayed in contact with and for the book that he has written as well. So um, stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, and we will be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events and short features. High definition, premier quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com welcome back to dr carol's couch if you have a question or comment for dr carol dial toll free at 1-866-472-5788 now back to the show 
Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here with a very interesting guest, uh, Michael Velarde, who has seen terrorism from both sides, <laughs> so to speak, um, as a retired federal agent who was a 9-11 responder and um, as a television host who interviewed two former Islamic terrorists who, with whom he has stayed friends. And so he has learned, um, you know, about terrorism from terrorists. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because even terrorists or former terrorists or would-be terrorists, wannabe terrorists, um, give different, well, I guess in every religion there are different, slightly different versions or um, takes, you know, that's interpretations. Um, but because, because I also um, have learned from terrorists and or in particular, one terrorist in particular who does have a more moderate, I guess one would call it, um, point of view about all of this and who in terms of, um, at least for some of the terrorists, um, why they, you know, how, how they are misinterpreting um, some of the Quran. But, but I want to go back to what I was asking you because you just started talking about how uh, when I was asking you about when you, your book is, is new, um, the time of his coming, and uh, I wanted to know about what kinds of responses you've been getting in terms of whether people uh, don't want to hear about it because they want to stay in denial or whether you're finding some acceptance. Well, when I go to the churches, I get accepted, and it goes, well, the problem is that, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be the interest level is not what I thought it would be, in all honesty. I thought everybody would want to know about this stuff. Wouldn't you want to know about what's going to happen and how it's going to play out and what the, what the Islamic plan is and what, what the Bible says? And, yeah. You know, I mean, I thought that was like the most interesting thing you could possibly write. Right. So I, I, I put it in order and sequence, explain the events, right? Who, who the caliphate's going to be, who the, who the false prophet's going to be, how it's all going to come to, how it's all going to come together. And, um, I mean, I mean, so it's been a little frustrating for me. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, from, from that perspective, you know. So um, have you been so, able to, um, you know, I, I know you probably don't want to give too much away, but have you been able to um, explain, you know, use things that have already happened? I, I'm sure you would probably did that. Put that in context to show how, you know, this step, from their, their steps from, from the present to the caliphate, like um, things that have been happening, 9-11, the Boston bombing, uh, taking over Europe. I mean, have you been able to show how there is a sequence to these things and how it is, um, you know, going in this sequence, the events are following the sequence, and then telling people what's coming next? Yes. And, and what's, what's so interesting is, I mean, I mean, Kamal and Zach were, were very unique people. And, and Kamal explained that the, part of their plan, again, 9-11 started the third jihad, they give it 20 years, is they outpopulate the, the native countries. So, for instance, the average American couple have 1.6 children. The average Muslim couple, 8.4. Mm. I mean, Kamal came from a family of 14 children. Hmm. Okay, so this, he, 176 direct cousins and relatives, all, all from his brothers and sisters, just 
populating. So one generation later, you go from 14 to 170 people. Huh, yeah. So, okay, okay. tell us what the next thing is going to four. happen. You know, I was talking at the beginning about the holidays and ISIS calling for lone wolves to attack New York, yeah. Times Square, um, London, Paris. What, what do you think is going to be coming next? Well, he, here's, from, from the mind of the terrorists, they believe they're freedom fighters. They are fighting for Allah and the cause of Allah. Okay, and every time they they commit suicide and they take other people with them, the blood of the people of Allah's enemies that they kill, no matter who they are, they don't care if they're women, children, doesn't matter. Okay, that they will cleanse their relatives of any sin that they might have committed. So as a result, I mean, Kamal told me a story when he was he started he started as a seven year old boy. And they used him to bring weapons into Israel, okay? And, and he became well-known, you know, among his, among his people in, in Lebanon for doing this. And when he was about 15 years old, um, uh, you know, a friend of his who looked up to him because of all these, you know, things that he's done, said, I, I want to go with you. I want to commit jihad. I want to, I wanna, you know, do something for Allah. So he went to this boy's mother. And said, would you, he wants to go, would you mind? And he, the mother said to him, listen, he's my last son. You know, I've lost ten other sons, and he's the last one. Please promise me you'll take care of him. Well, when they got to the shores of, of Israel, um, the Israelis knew that they were coming and started shooting at him. Mm. And this kid got shot. And Kamal picked him up because, you know, he promised his mother that he would save him. And, and he was carrying this boy with him, and they kept shooting into the kid. So he got killed, but it saved Kamal's life. And he, and he had to bring that kid home, the body home, to the mother. And, and he said, I'm sorry. And she started crying, and he said, I can understand you must be crying because you lost your last son. And you know what she said to him? She said, no, that's not why I'm crying. I'm crying because I don't have any more sons to give to the cause of Allah. Oh, my God. Hmm. So you've got to understand the mindset of what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. It's a mindset. Most Americans think that you, you come over here, you assimilate, everything is good. No, you are, your relationship to Allah, you are a slave to Allah. There's no, there's no freedom. Like there is, that's why they hate America. They hate freedom. You're not free in, in Islam. Listen, when Zach became a Christian and they found out, now Zach had killed 234 people that he was given credit for. Wow. When, when, he, when, he, um, when they found out about him, they took out a contract. They took out, and they couldn't find three people in, in Lebanon that would take that contract because he had killed so many people and he was known. He was, he was amazing with a knife. He was an amazing fighter. He was very strong, very tough, and, and was so battle-hardened. So they found, they, 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 they did a contract, and the first time they tried to assassinate him, he was walking home at night, and he, he noticed the streetlight was out, and he turns around, and there's two guys that came at him with, with knives, and he took out those two guys, and as he's fighting with them, he had this feeling, like this, you know, little voice inside to say, "Turn around, turn around, turn around." When he finally turned around, another guy with a knife came down and just tore up his 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 front lip, you know, right across. And then he took that guy out. Uh-huh. Um, and nineteen times they tried to assassinate him, and they found him dead last July. 
at the, at the, the airport in Canada in his car. And I don't know mm. if they got, I don't know how it happened, but all I know is that he was going to go to Egypt to, to preach the gospel, and his luggage made it, and they found his body in the car mm. in Canada. Mm. Okay, he was shot, stabbed. Um, you cannot leave Islam. The penalty for leaving Islam is death. There's no freedom in Islam. That's why they hate the West so much. So, okay, so getting back to my question, since we really are kind of running out of time here, um, what do you think, do you think there are going to be attacks during Christmas? What do you think? I'm I'm sure somebody's going to try something. Because, again, it's the philosophy what they believe. They believe that they're doing a great service for Islam, for their family. And, and you know, you know, under Obama, they cut the terror budget in New York City in half. Mm. So they're, they're, they're not doing the due diligence they're able to do. They lost a lot of federal money. You remember Schumer? They blamed Schumer because he voted against Iran. I don't know if you remember that. Schumer yeah. was one of the few senators that voted against that Iran deal. Uh-huh. And they did this. They, they said they did this to punish him. You know what I'm saying? They cut the terror mm. budget in half mm. in New York City. So now you have somebody like de Blasio, who's very left-wing, very liberal, okay, doesn't want, if you're going to, you know that they used to do the stop and frisk, which was very effective. Yes, yes. Giuliani was there. Now they have to, like, ask the person, they have to get permission to search them. Yes. I know. I I mean, so if you're in a a, a terrorist, you want to threat that, well, no, no, I don't want you to search me, and then go blow yourself up down the block. I mean, it's prime for it. Well, I, I think that there will be something, too. I mean, it's hard to predict where it'll be. I, I, I mean, this, you know, the fact that there was the Halloween attack, that there was just this attack in the, in the subway, uh, and mm-hmm. he, you probably know that he said um, that he chose the spot for to detonate his homemade yep. bombs uh, next to a, a poster of Christmas that related yep. to Christmas. And because yep. that was what the propaganda was that you know ISIS was putting out that it should be in connection with Christmas, so right. um, so I, I you know it's he's not going to be the only one that nope. follows this propaganda that's been studying it you know um, being affected by it for quite some time for the past month or so that it's been out there, so you know and then of course Europe although I was reading about how um, in it's just something in the news today about how uh, London was putting up all kinds of bollards and having more police. And I mean, you know, it is amazing that um, more things haven't happened in New York. The, for example, the Thanksgiving parade in New York, the Macy's parade. Um, you know, I, yes, they had a gazillion uh, police and some not dressed not like police, and and you know, they had all kinds of security. But it is still amazing, you know, because the parade goes on for quite a ways, and somebody uh, could certainly have some kind of bomb concealed under their jacket. And yes, you presumably had to go through different um, checkpoints and everything, but it still was amazing that they were able to carry that off. But this luck isn't going to keep, and they might well have stopped some terrorists um, from coming into that parade, but this luck, it only has to be one terrorist who gets through. That's, and what you said is 100% correct. And, and uh, you know, and they're here already. 
Right. I mean, you see what happened with the Somali guy. He was here years ago. He came on these visas, which obviously Trump is going to stop. But there's so many people that we let in already. They're here. Yes. And that's a large part of the problem. And then if you handcuff law enforcement, like is being done to the New York City PD, and you don't give them all the tools or the benefit of the doubt, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. And, of course, people's uh, denial is what's contributing to all of this. I want you to give out uh, where people can get your book. Again, it's called The Time of His Coming. And um, certainly you have, I'm sure, piqued a lot of people's interest. And I do hope that, you know, even though people, part of the problem is that uh, people feel, well, what am I going to do about it if I know that this is going to happen? And really there is a lot that people can do. And, um, and should be doing now because we are being affected every day, even before, even between attacks, we're being affected by hearing about, um, you know, hearing about terrorism, hearing about the threats, if we don't do anything to make ourselves more resilient and stronger and so on. So t- where can people get it? The timeofhiscoming.com, that's the website, thetimeofhiscoming.com. You can also get it on Amazon. Uh, barnesandnoble.com it's available there um, so those are the three main places where you can okay. find the book and I encourage you to order it um, it's you know M- Michael Velarde I'm the author of course and uh, I-, I guarantee you it makes very interesting reading yes. very interesting well reading. I certainly would um, recommend it. It, it I think you were talking off the air that it's in the shape of the format is of a diary so it kind of makes it yes. a little more interesting than just uh, biblical passages, <laughs> which right, exactly. I think would be hard to get through, but this is uh, a lot more interesting, and it's as the, the terrorist plans, as we're told to you. Well, Michael yes. Velarde, thank you so much for being a guest on Dr. Carol's Couch, and thank you all for listening. Um, you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and please, you know, we're not, neither of us are trying to frighten you. We are trying to sort of wake you up and get you to do some things in advance of, um, so that you're not surprised one day. Thank you for listening. You've been listening, as I said, to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 